The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos happen to be allergic to Rice Krispie Treats? That's actually where Rice Krispie Treats came from. They were developed by farmers who were attempting to keep armadillos out of their fields and away from their crops. I did not know that. That's fascinating. To uh, learn more armadillo facts and unlock bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Spartan. And today we're going to cover chapters 27 through 32 of The Fires of Heaven, book 5 of The Wheel of Time. Previously, Rand got a sweet new sword and somehow managed to piss off Avienda. During an apparent attack by Samael, Matt kicks the Miradral's ass while Rand uses his wizard lasers on a Dracar and pisses off Alvanda again. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like we're starting to detect a theme here. But anyway, Rand puts the Ixnay on all the murdering of the Isle. He's like, look, guys, just don't do it. And Egwene and Avienda talk about, that's right, how they're pissed off at Rand. It's just like a whole conversation. Um, but in the meantime, Egwene goes spying in the dream world on Birgit, and we learn about Nynaeve's circus brawling, so that's kind of fun. Uh, Egwene proves that even though she's far away, she's still in DA by... You guessed it. Stumbling into a trap. That's what she does. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the world, Swan's crew finally tracks down the Aes Sedai in exile, but they're not getting the hero's welcome that they hoped for. So, all right. There is a lot has been happening, huh? Uh-huh. It's yeah. been kind of all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's picking up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, these chapters are, were short and punchy. Stuff was happening. It was good. For sure. Chapter 27, The Practice of Dividends. The Flame of Tarvalon is the icon. So, Swan and Leanne... Confront the Aes Sedai at Saladar. And they have good points. They really do. I think that they should take advantage of Swan's knowledge, even if she can't channel anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote this down. That, so the Aes Sedai seem to be chauvinist about channeling. They are. Yeah, this is something we talked about uh, last time, I think. Yeah. Like this this idea that if you're not an Aes Sedai, you're not useful to the White Tower. However, Swan, as the head of the White Tower rarely used her channeling. Like, that was not the purpose of her I mean, her job, right? Maybe we just didn't hear about how she had to beat everybody down every day, you know? Yeah. I mean, mo- <laughs> most of her, her day-to-day operations were, like, strategic stuff and things that had nothing to do with her abilities with the One Power. Yeah. I really feel like this arrogance that the Aes Sedai have is going to be their downfall at some point. Isn't that the moral of, like, literally every children's fable ever? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't believe that the hare can ever, or the tortoise can ever win or whatever? It's true, and... and- so the Aes Sedai also see themselves as the the repository for all channeling for the good of the world forever. Yeah. But we know there's lots of other channelers. We know there's sea folk channelers and there's Aeel channelers and who knows what other channelers running around. So it, the wise ones don't have this block, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It, it, it seems like those other people who channel exist in spite of the Aes Sedai. I, I, I feel like we've heard from both ends that they actually try and keep it quiet that there are channelers because the Aes Sedai intentionally go and not kidnap exactly but sort of steal anyone mm-hmm. who channels and bring them to the White Tower for training. I remember we learned from some of the uh, sea folk who could channel. They said that every few years they would send a girl to Tarvalon just to kind of keep up the pretense but they would keep all the channelers to themselves which makes me wonder because we've learned that women who can channel but don't learn how to control it tend to burn out and die horribly, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. what the Aes Sedai said. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I wonder mm-hmm. if that's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, speaking of, Swan shows up and says, you guys could still use me. And they're like, what? How? That doesn't make any sense. And she's like, you know I was the blue Aja spymaster before I was Amarillan Seat, right? And they're all shocked. Yeah, what? Yeah, this 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 game like, it should totally work, right? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, just this using this leverage, but it almost doesn't. Like their their right. bias is such that they're like, well, we could just take your spies from you. Right, yeah, which could they? They can't really torture her, right? I mean, they kind of can, right? I, they can't I mean, use the one power as a weapon. They talk about putting people to the question. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's why I figured they could still do it. Well, I, I, I think they're... I don't think they can torture people because that counts as using it as a weapon, but they could tie them up and let the Gaidian do it. Or they could torture them without the one power. 
Mm, oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Just torture them the way everyone else does. <laughs> yeah, good old-fashioned torture. Figs and mice. Yeah, with figs and mice. <laughs> I was curious. Love the honey on the balls or whatever. <laughs> They're women. It doesn't sound like torture at all. I said or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, I was curious to see what y'all thought, though, because Swan thinks that they are wasting their time by setting up a sustainable compound. What do y'all think about that? I don't think she says they're wasting their time. I think she feels they're directionless because they're not moving aggressively. They're just sort of surviving. And and I don't know that Swan thinks that they should be, get comfortable. I, th- I think she the last thing she wants is them settling and getting comfortable in a new place because as far as she's concerned... They need to be moving back into the White Tower ASAP. Yeah, I, I thought this was very interesting because Swan doesn't necessarily have their interest at heart, right? No, no. Like, it's pretty clear that, like, well, basically she shows up and lies to them about Loghain. And it never occurs to them that she can lie. So they believe her immediately. But, you know, she's kind of probably right. They, they might have gone back and joined with the Tower again after six months in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And the Tower would be whole again, right? But not not now. Not after what Swan did. Yeah, it's 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 funny because when she first said this, I was I was taken aback as I was reading. I was like, "Wait, when did we know? Did we know this? Was this a thing?" And because I didn't realize that she could lie too. I, I mean, I I guess I knew that, but it didn't occur to me that she'd just be like outright lying to them. Yeah, she's <laughs> I. <laughs> it's like she she used the power of lying to get what she wants in this scene. Yeah, which is, it's cool how the I said I didn't even didn't even think that was a possibility because they're so used to dealing people who can't lie. And and also, uh, I think she mentions that there aren't enough women who have been stilled for them to like really know exactly what happens. So it's, it's something that people don't like to study, you know? Mm. Which I thought was... I thought that was kind of a weak explanation that it that they made Aes Sedai feel icky so that they wouldn't study women who had been stilled. Sure, yeah. right? You'd think it, that the brown Aja would, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, so I, I feel like the tower has always been a little bit weaker than we've been led to believe because they've got these blind spots. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. So would you say that what's happening here is a good thing for the world? Yes. Well, yes. I think that... Well, okay. We have some information that, that Swan doesn't have. We know that the White Tower is currently under the control of the Black Aja. That's true. Yeah. So unbeknownst to her, yes, she's <laughs> doing something that is that is to the to benefit of the world. But even even if the Black Aja wasn't controlling the White Tower, Elida is pretty objectively a bad Armalin seat. So she's not a good person to be like steering manning the helm as we're moving towards this like apocalyptic event, right? Mm-hmm. So even without the Black Aja being in charge of the White Tower, which is, you know, again, secret information, um I think it's yeah, I think she's still probably helping. I, I think that it's a mistake. I think that the tower needs to be whole at this time, if we did not know that it was being run by evil, make evil faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we thought there was just a difference of opinion and that the Reds were having a coup, I still think that a house divided cannot stand, and this is the last battle they're preparing for. It's true. Yeah, this this the way that things are going now, it, like, it doesn't seem like it's going to come out with more Aes Sedai rather than less, right? Like, people are going to die in this. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, Swan is playing these people hard, which is ironic because this is exactly what I mean. Like, this is what she's good at, right? She's good mm. at manipulating. She's good at, like, kind of puppet mastering. Yeah. This is exactly what she's doing. She's, like, playing these people. Right. Yeah, she she and Leanne kind of just walk in here and cold read these people. Yeah. And get what they want. My question is, what is keeping all these women in Saladar? Keeping them there? Yeah. Why Why are they staying there? I don't entirely understand. I understand when the tower fell, that was a lot of the, especially the blues, that had to get away because they feared, but there's these messages going saying, going out saying, come back, all is forgiven. So why are they still there? Because they do seem directionless. Like, why? Well, what? What's the benefit to staying there rather than going back to Tarvalon? Well, it hasn't been that long, first of all. So so they're, they're probably, they probably haven't been there more than a couple of weeks, right? So while they may have started receiving those messages, they probably haven't decided how they're going to how they're going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But my impression is that 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 question was like actively being discussed. Do we go right back right now? And uh, until Swan showed up, that was likely to be the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Probably a lot of uh, I said I have just gone back to the tower. These are probably the ones mostly blues who yeah. fear for their safety. If they mm-hmm. go back to the tower. 
probably rightfully, because it seems like the people that Elida kept under her, she's treating them really badly, having yeah. them tortured all the time with these punishments. Yeah. So I thought this bit where Swan says she was the spy master before she became the Amarillan seat, this reminded me of Beria, the, the guy who was the spy master for Stalin. He ran the secret police mm-hmm. before Stalin died. And it's just sort of, it's funny how that's, how the politics works that way is that the person that controls all the information often becomes the leader. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a really intriguing point. Like, would Swan have become the Armland seat if she weren't the spymaster first? Yeah, right. Probably not. That seems like a very useful. And that's uh, what she's doing here is controlling their information. You yeah. know, feeding them one lie and a few truths, and not telling them the whole truth. Yep. I've done that party game. Oh, what one lie, <laughs> two, two truths and a lie? Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so she gets them dancing to her tune really quick in this scene. She, the main lie she tells is that Elida was behind Loghain as the false dragon. That Elida and the Reds, maybe it's just the Reds, had set him up. Yeah, I, I don't think the implication is specifically that Elida did it, but that the Red Aja in general was responsible for that. Right, which is a total lie. Yeah. But, and she also convinces them that they need to accept that the tower is broken and that they need to elect another Amarlin seat. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting idea. That would not have occurred to me, but it sort of makes sense because that immediately casts doubt, and that's what they really want yeah. working for them, right? Yeah, what, what really matters to them right now is legitimacy. Yeah. If they want to manipulate the, the kingdoms of the world like they used to do. Mm-hmm. And so they need to try and create a, an aura of continuity between the tower and them. It's going to be really hard since they're not actually in the tower. Yeah, it does seem like that... Anyone who's physically in the tower has, you know, a little bit of a... Yeah, a a stronger claim to being the true tower. (laughs) A little bit of weight behind them, But in their favor is that everyone hates Elida. So if they elect an Amarlin seat that people can get behind, you know, it might work. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, And we, we don't know what's been happening since we checked in with her last, but it wasn't going well before, and it's probably not getting any better. Right, yeah. I'm a little tired with how one-dimensional it seems that the Red Aja are portrayed. They're just bad guys. Mm-hmm. They're just the assholes who... They're the Slytherins, you Yeah, know? they're the Slytherins. They never get to win the House Cup or, you know, <laughs> be the be the Armorland seat or yeah. whatever. And I, I, I think that Robert Jordan has let us down on that part because I think there would be a lot of really interesting exploration to be made into the Red's mission and it the values of it. They're not just doing it because they're assholes who hate men. Yeah. And it, sometimes it feels like that's all we get from it. We don't get any more depth into their entire reason yeah, for on, being there. On the bare facts of the matter, the Reds are often right. Yeah. Right? Men who can channel are very bad, and you have to get rid of them, except in this one case. Mm-hmm. And the the way Swan has been manipulating the situation with Rand without telling anybody what she was doing, they're kind of right about that. You know, she's doing things that affect the whole fate of the world kind of on her own by fiat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the duo of Swan and Moraine was definitely a a questionable act, right? Like that we can't say that was just like a, an outright good thing for them to do. Mm-hmm. That you know, it's there 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 would have been benefit in having more sisters in, involved. And I yeah, I, I, I kind of wish actually I don't know. Are there any red sisters in Saladar? There are not. Mm-hmm. It's something they specifically say. They so say every. I kind of wish there were to say here are some reasonable red sisters. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. That, 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 I, I had the same feeling. I was like, why are there not red Aja represented here? Because they they can't all be evil. That's dumb. You know, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But I think I think that they are, they're the. They're, they're the Slytherins. They're the Slytherins, yeah. yeah. They're, they're the heel. They're the ones that are meant to be the bad guys so that you can say, oh, well, that's Red Aja, they're the bad guys. And, I mean, obviously the Black Aja are the real bad guys, but um, but we need somebody to like push against, I guess. Yeah, the antagonist. And it bugs me that, to put it, and this is the most simplistic terms, that the, the bad guys are the ones who hate men. Mm-hmm. I don't like that that's like their defining characteristic, more or less. Right. And it's not even just men who channel. Like, like they make a point of saying it's all men mm-hmm. that Red Aja don't like. The Red Aja never have warders. They never marry because they hate men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a weird thing. It just goes more into Robert Jordan's weird like gender politics going right, on yeah. there. Yes. Yeah, it's sort of like they're, they hate men and that's bad. Not because hating men is bad, but because that's unbalanced. Yeah. Because everything has to be balanced, separate but equal, you know? Yeah. So this scene disappointed me a little bit because I thought the other Aes Sedai would be a little bit subtler and smarter than this. 
because Swan manipulates them very easily. She does. Yeah. There's this whole bit where Leanne starts suggesting things that, of course, she has arranged with Swan beforehand. And all the, the Aes Sedai are, like, totally convinced because it didn't come from Swan. That doesn't make much sense to me. Like, of course they know Leanne's on Swan's side. Yes. Yeah. Like, put two and two together here, people, right? Yeah, well, I mean, she's, she was the Armorland seat. Maybe it's because no one else can do this stuff. <laughs> yeah, right? And I maybe, too, they're also still under this assumption that the women can't lie. And Leanne told them that she does have some differences of opinion from Swan. So maybe that yeah. made Leanne seem more believable. You know, you're right. It's the, the thing about them not believing they can lie is a big deal. It is. That's, that's probably what's squaring the circle here, that, that's making them believe them. Because I thought that their their pitch was actually pretty weak, mm-hmm. even though they're you know, it's not stupid, right? But they they Swan also gets them to send some Aes um, Sedai into the waste to look for Rand, mm-hmm. which is you know they won't even make it there. Rand's not in there anymore. And they're kicking around some ideas for possible Omerlin seats. Yeah, they are. As Swan has an idea in mind, but I don't think she's. Uh, I don't think we know who it is yet. No. No. She yeah. She definitely has. A direction, but we we haven't. She hasn't tipped her hand to the reader. And, uh, but we know though. Swan is saying, and they agree with her that it should be somebody who was not physically present in Tarvalon when the tower was broken. Which mm-hmm. is kind of a weird, arbitrary thing to me. But sure, whatever. You know, I don't know. It's because they can appear neutral, right? You, they could imply to both sides that they would have been on their side. You know. Yeah. Mm. I think that makes sense. You know, a neutral third party. Yeah, and they want somebody who's really powerful in the power, which once again seems a little. Not a little unnecessary because that's not her main job. Yeah, the armor is never going to be never supposed to be the strongest one, right? Well, not they're not supposed to be. I'm sure it helps, but I don't think that that keeps them from being an excellent armorlin. No, you're right. It seems like there really is a respect pecking order in terms of how much you can channel Mm -hmm. in among the Aes Sedai, which doesn't make much sense to me. Well, we don't know how powerful Swan is. Uh, I don't think it's ever implied that she's. Especially yeah. strong with the one power. I, I think it's hinted that Maureen is pretty strong with the one power, but she also has that Angreal that she carries around all the time. Right, the one she stole. Yeah, the stolen Angreal. And I mean, it can't, and I don't think it that whoever they do raise to Amarlin's seat, I don't think it can be anybody who's red or blue because those are the two at the opposite poles. So I'm curious. Swan definitely mm. has someone in mind, and I have my suspicions based on the things she said, but I don't want to say anything because I don't know yet. Mm hmm. So, uh, in the middle of this meeting, a warder comes in. There are riders. It's Gareth Bryan. Gareth oh, Bryan has man. tracked them all the way to this little town. I cannot believe he followed them all this way. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of excited that he showed up, because I'm a big fan of Gareth Bryan. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's pretty cool. He's been going on me this, throughout this entire book. And, and I said I are immediately like, oh, great, let's use him. Is <laughs> <laughs> he useful? He is walking into the hornet's nest, though, and he knows it. He is not sure if he's going to walk out of there alive. Oh, yeah. The whole the whole next chapter, which, speaking of, chapter 28, Trapped, Icon of the Bull. Yeah, he's he's thinking constantly, like, if I don't play this right, they're just going to kill me. Yeah. They'll probably kill me, and they'll kill all my soldiers. Well, it's a huge deal that he managed to track them down, right? Like, a huge deal. Nobody had any idea they were there. Yeah, right? It, it, so that's I guess they see it as a survival thing for themselves, or whatever, but it just... I felt like they weren't giving off those vibes towards Gareth Bryan. Mm-hmm. But he was definitely picking them up. Yeah, but... It, so it, it, it's I, kind of, it may be partly an example of where his head is at. It's kind of cool seeing the chapter from his perspective, though, because he is a very observant person. You see him, like, picking up on all these interactions and all oh, these yeah, things that are going on. It, it's pretty cool. This may be the, the first time we've been, for a long time, in the head of somebody who's good at playing the game of houses. Yeah. <laughs> because he's... He sees all the angles almost immediately, right? Mm-hmm. And all the things he's saying, he's calculated them to achieve a certain effect, and it's neat. So, yeah, he rides right into Saladar and, and meets with the Aes Sedai, the Aes Sedai leadership, which is a, a council that Swan has been talking to. It's uh, Sherium and, and Mirel and Morvrin and so forth. Yeah. And they basically draft him to lead their army because they've kind of decided now from the meeting with Swan, okay, well... We're gonna we're gonna do this thing, mm-hmm. right? We're gonna have to win this this fight with force of arms. But only if <laughs> they he he requires that they let uh, Swan be his dog robber, which I assume means I, I wrote down dog robber. What does that? Mean? Okay, so I apparently she's gonna steal dogs from, which I think is kind of fucked up. No, like, I thought he was gonna rob. She was gonna rob dogs. So like steal things from dogs, like steal yes. dogs' food. 
I was confused because I know what a dog's body is. Yeah. And so... I don't know what that means. A dog's body, it's somebody... I think it's a military term, but it's someone whose job it is to just kind of do all the grunt work for a higher-ranking officer. Like a body man, just a personal aide. Yeah, yeah, it is. The dog robber is is basically like a military orderly. Someone who's like your your fetcher. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, so... The reason... The origin of that term is that uh, they were called a dog robber because in the early days of the military, they were like fed table scraps, so... <laughs> yeah, so they would, they would eat the table, table scraps that the dog would normally get, so they were the dog right. robber. Yeah, it's interesting that he said that and not my maid or my live-in servant. He said something that's pretty much a military role. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, he's a military man. I love this scene. We already talked about it a bit. I love this scene with Gareth Bryan meeting all the Aes Sedai, and he's, he's looking at all the angles, and he's picking up things really quick. He's the only person who could walk into a room full of Aes Sedai and start making demands. Like, yeah. And yeah. no other character we've seen in this book would, would perform the way that he did. It's right. pretty cool. Not they're even good Swan. demands. Yeah. They're reasonable. They're completely yeah. reasonable. Yeah, I, yeah, they're very very pro military demands. You know, mm-hmm. he's saying, you know, I, I I have it right here. He says so first of all, he has to be in charge of commanding the armies. The, uh, he says the guy say that I can command him, but he gets to make give the directions to the soldiers, not right. them. Chain of command. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He says, if I tell you it can't be done, you have to cons- you will consider what I say. I don't ask to usurp your authority, but I don't want men to go off and die because you don't have this military understanding. And then the big one for him, and because he, he even thinks to himself that he was willing to let go of those two conditions, but the one he isn't is that you got to stay the course. Like, if you, you can't decide a month from now that, oh, never mind, we're going to go back to the tower and just leave me here with, I think he says, the noose around my neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all it's very it, reasonable. It's, and it's interesting because, in a way, this is to Swan's advantage because this is exactly what she wants. And having Gareth Bryan have them swear this this like oath to them, to yeah, him, essentially he's making them go ride or die with him. Yeah, which is what Swan wants. She doesn't want them backing down and saying, "Oh, we should just side of the line." Now they can't. Right. Yeah. So this is this is great. Yeah, this is all great, and he's an incredibly reasonable man, and then we go back to how he only followed Swan because of her blue eyes. He's got those eyes. Yeah. Those fisherwoman eyes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, in, in this scene, he reunites with Mara, which is what Swan has been calling herself. And they have a little uh, somewhat annoying tete-a-tete. <laughs> yeah, she's going to murder this guy, I think. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would not want this person near me. Yeah, she's super rough on him. Like, what are you doing? Get out of here, I'll kill you. She says he's like rotten fish guts or something. <laughs> Ran- rancid, sorry, rancid fish guts. Rancid fish guts? Where have I heard that before? <gasps> You're Swan Sanjay! <laughs> no, but that is revealed to him, though. Yeah, that's yeah, true. He finally finds it out, and he's a little bit embarrassed that he's been chasing after Swan Sanjay. But he's also kind of okay with it, because he's like, well, you know, she's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I'm kind of into that. We learn more about, and this is actually kind of funny, we learn more about the argument, the run-in that he had had with her when when he was under Morgay's, too. Oh, yeah, the Miranda yeah. thing. Yeah. It was just some kind of unrelated political thing mm-hmm. that ended up going nowhere. Yeah, it was uh, this border lord uh, that they hoped would unite Mirandi was raiding, and they were afraid he would get killed in the, the conflict and just die somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he gets killed by a farmer or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was worthless. Yeah, that's all. That's really cool. I love this stuff. Yeah, you know, Gareth Bryan has joined the party, so that's good. Yeah, now now it's a party. Yeah. Now they've right. got a general. Now they've got Swan Sanchez spy masters. They've got everything they need for a real factional war. <laughs> I'm trying to find it because my absolute favorite part of this whole thing is when he was thinking to himself, when he was figuring out that what it was that they wanted from him, and he's like going down the list of all the people who could possibly lead this army. I thought oh, that was yeah. pretty cool. He taught you like... Where is that? Oh, yeah, it was the warder, right? Was it? Yeah, the the warder was saying to them, because the warders are like, they're totally on board with plan, let's fight a war. Mm-hmm. Oh, here it is. There are a few great captains living. Um, there are these guys, including Davram Bashir, who won't mm-hmm. leave the blight. Pedra Nial, obviously, is not going to be any use. Yeah. The others it, are dead. And so. Agalmar Jagad. <laughs> Do we know that name? Yeah, that's the king from Shinar. Oh. Oh. Or not the king, the the lord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's friends with Lan. Yeah. So that was clever. Right, yeah. And I I like that bit because it shows that the Aes Sedai haven't really thought this through yet. Because they haven't thought this all the way through to we're going to need a general, we're going to need an army, the streets are going to run with blood if we see this thing through. Yeah. But the warders have. (laughs) 
Yeah, but they yeah they don't even think about it until a general literally rides into their camp to tell them. <laughs> I know. Oh, I guess we need one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a good one. All right, you're hired. <laughs> yeah, just because you're good in the one power doesn't mean you're bright. That's <laughs> true. I, I I don't. Yeah, I like this. I like how they're not good at this part of it because what they're they've. They're part of this grand tradition that's been around for a long time, and they kind of all thought they knew how their lives were going to go. And, and so, you know, they're adapting here. To be fair, most of the Ajahs are not involved in this stuff all the time, right? I mean, like, the brown Aja, they probably never leave the tower. There's, like, the, was it the the, uh, the white Aja, the ones who are the mediators? There's, there's the white Aja are the logic ones. Logic ones. There, so, there's, so there's, these different Ajas have their different roles, but only the blue Aja really is involved in the politics, as I understand it, right? Yeah. The, the Grey Aja are negotiators and mediators, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. So they probably go out and do stuff. It seems like most of them, though, are just doing the kind of like day-to-day stuff of keeping Ranland running rather than preparing for that final battle. Mm-hmm. But they have no idea how to stage a coup. Like, Sherium is running the, the novices, but she doesn't know how to stage a coup, you know? So after that, we cut to Min, who apparently is going to have to do the work for Swan Sanche. Like a slave. Shocking. I don't understand that. Why is she bowing to Swan? Why is she agreeing to do all this? I I think she feels... Well, this is the stated reason, is that she feels like she has to help Swan because Swan is the one that's going to help Rand. Swan is going to rally the tower behind Rand. I guess so. I don't know why that means that she has to do this slave labor for Swan. Because she has to, I mean... So you could say, do it yourself, right? Like, nothing... Yeah, like, you, you dragged me that. here, you, you put me in servitude to Gareth Brine for your bullshit. But, you know, maybe she's right. Maybe helping Swan is the best way to help Rand. And so she's going to spend her whole life doing that or something? I don't know, it's awful. Yeah. I, I find it very frustrating mm-hmm. from I, Min's perspective. I agree. Uh, and I guess Loghain's sort of back now? He's a little better? Yeah, he, was, he had, had himself a little depressive moment. But now he's back because he's angry, because <laughs> Swan did sell him out to more Aes Sedai, which she, I guess she didn't plan that part of it. What are you going to tell Loghain? I don't think she thought that it mattered, right? I mean, like, he was just the, he was just the fall guy for this, this scheme. Right. Um, so I don't know, yeah. But Min has seen that Swan and Gareth Bryan must stay close to each other or die. <sighs> mm-hmm. God, is, is this going to be another one of those stupid, like... Hateful relationships that we have to read about for like three books, and then finally they get together or something. Probably, yeah. Mm. But I, I don't know. This one is less. Well, first of all, these people, I think they have come by their orneriness more honestly mm-hmm. than Rand and any of the other people. It's pronounced horny. <laughs> <laughs> it's horniness. I think trying to say. Yeah, I mean, well, who knows? We'll see what happens next. I feel like if these guys. Swan and Gareth Bryan could get on the same page, they would be a great team, you know? Yeah, I, I just... think they actually go pretty well together. I, I completely agree. I think that they uh, they are a, an awesome duo, but it does I, I just don't want it to be this formula that Jordan seems to lean on where it's like, oh, they can't like each other until unless they hate each other for a long time first, you know? Yeah, we but they have to be together for whatever reason. Yeah, we saw it with Perrin and we saw it with Avienda yeah. and now we're we're seeing it with Mm. With this swan situation, I, I just hope that they get around to it faster than, than we're used to. Yeah, I hope so. You know, they're older, so you know maybe they're not going to waste time. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'd be pissed off if I were Ben too. Yeah, I'd be super pissed off. She doesn't like, even seem that pissed off, honestly. I'd be like, "Fuck you, fuck this, fuck off, I'm out of here." You know? Yeah, just, right. Like, leave. Although I guess she she kind of has to keep to her oath or something. Oaths are important, but yeah, I guess I don't still know. super frustrating. At least nobody else knows about her visions, so she's not being pestered about that. That's true. Chapter 29, Memories of Saldia. Icon of some ravens? Are these ravens or crows? They must be ravens, right? Because ravens are the dark dark ones. Yeah. Cronies. Right. So this is a Kadir chapter. That yeah, was I a know. surprise. A dark, <laughs> yeah. friend, dark friend representation. This is right. interesting. Like... This answers a few of our questions about why you would want to be a dark friend. Because this isn't so bad for him. His life before the events of the story haven't been so bad. Yeah, that's true. He's he's done really well. He's made a lot of money, and and this is kind of what I what I suspected is that being a dark friend up until the moment when you're tapped on the shoulder is pretty great. You know, people you have a network of people who all want to help you out, and you know you just have to murder people every now and then. <laughs> yeah. So Kadir has received a letter because he he's a secret dark friend. Mm-hmm. And he's... I mean, not that secret. 
I think well, I mean, yeah. lots of people know it's each really other. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the letter appears to be from an Aiel, and it's telling him that he's not alone. Yeah, so we, we've confirmed an Aiel dark friend, and it's interesting because I believe previously we had talked about how like Matt's lady friend was being kind of shady, and I wonder if this is this is where it's going. But you know what group she's from. She's Shido. Which are the red Aja slash Slytherin of the Aiel. <laughs> Oh, you think she's here just on a mission? I mean... You think she's she not really be. into Matt? No. That I would mean, be so sad. I don't know if anyone really likes Matt that much. That's a good one, though. Like, what? A, that's a good way to get yourself close to the dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Better than, poor, better, better than poor Asindra. Oh, yeah, who shows up here. Oh, God, yeah. See, well, while being a dark friend does seem great in a lot of ways, it also seems kind of confusing, because, like... You have these notes. You don't know who they're from. You don't know who the dark friend. It's like playing one of those one of those games um, that I suck at. You know, like was it werewolf or whatever, mm-hmm. where you have very little information to work on, and it's all just looking around. Like, are you the bad guy? Are you the bad guy? <laughs> you know. mm-hmm. Yeah, very stressful. You have to play a bunch of percentages. Yeah, oh, I don't think I, I think I'd be a terrible dark friend. As much as I'd want to be a dark friend for the money, you know. Yeah, but I'd anyway. Lanfear had tortured Kadir and told in his him dreams. in his dreams. So he did that annoying thing we got tired of, where she would hurt him in his dreams, and then he would be hurt in real life too. Yes. Yep. But he knows. But his job, he's supposed to be keeping close to Rand and uh, the Glee human Natale. <laughs> but he, which he and he doesn't know though. He has no idea that Natale is actually Asmodian, right? Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. far as he's concerned, he's just another high-ranking dark friend. In fact, he he thought that. Uh, Natale and Keeley were both high-ranking dark friends, and that Natale probably killed Keeley, and that's why she's disappeared. <laughs> right. I thought it was kind of an interesting interpretation, you know? Yeah. I wonder why the Forsaken keep themselves hidden like this, even from other dark friends that they're working directly with. I think that they probably don't tell anyone anything unless they have to. It's just a power thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I have to say, I feel pretty bad. I know that she's a dark friend, but I feel pretty bad for a sender at this point. Like, she's basically been trafficked into sex slavery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we find out it's Kadir that's been pushing Isendra into uh, coming on to Rand at every opportunity. And she has been sleeping with Asmodian, apparently. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's, that's sure that fits. He's, he's a Forsaken. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. But she has failed. So Kadir kills her. Well, not before she's beaten with nettles? Yeah, and shaved. And shaved like the, like the, uh, this was this was really putting me off like this this torture thing that the Aiel are doing to her and I get it they want to discourage her from being around this person they they want to date their friend but like yeah this is kind of fucked up right mm-hmm. it's I don't know because she keeps coming back right what else are they gonna do she's a she's an adult she can do what she wants to do uh, but well, she's breaking their rules and sneaking past the guards they she has been instructed not to do this by the Aiel and the only reason they're not putting a spear through her. Is because Rand told them not to, yeah. and, and but and they've already punished her lightly, right? Or they sorry, they already punished her severely, just lightly compared to what they did recently. Yeah, I guess so. It just and she hasn't pissed off. She hasn't even left, right? Why? Why hasn't if she's who she appears to be? Why didn't she just leave when they got back to Kyrian? Wait, what do you mean? Well, we know this is because Lanfear, right? Well, I'm saying from oh. their perspective, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This person is crazy. Like the punishments have to get more and more severe because this person is not responding. Yeah, I guess so. And they're not allowed to kill her, which would be their first choice, I think. I just feel bad for her. It seems like a pretty pretty fucked up uh, situation she's in. But, you know, it's probably an horrible thing, I suppose. Nah, fucked our friends. Yeah. But we do learn something important. Avienda is full-breasted compared to most of the maidens. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Kadir. Yeah, we, we can rely on Kadir to give us the breast rankings. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, now, I guess now she's dead, because Kadir just... Yeah, he, uh, when he realized that she had failed... And that she was giving up on trying to get to Rand, he just kills her. Yeah. And apparently he killed his own sister, too. Yeah, in his memories. He remembers, oh, this is just like the time I had to kill my sister. That mm-hmm. was sad. When dark she found out suck. I was a dark friend, yeah. Yeah. Being a dark friend sucks. Yeah, so what we learned here is that Lanfear is still working Kadir, and there's more dark friends in the Aiel. Mm-hmm. So, just to clarify, Lanfear punished... Isendra for trying to like flirt with Rand and now she's telling her to go flirt with Rand? Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> just making sure I got that straight. It just seems a little confusing, but you know, no one, no one ever said the fear was entirely rational. I suppose. Yeah, that's uh, she's she's not. She's bonkers. Yeah. Remember, even when the other Forsaken are dealing with her, they're always like, "This lady is crazy. Go nuts." <laughs> mm-hmm. Chapter thirty: A Wager, Icon of the Dragon. So Rand is busily avoiding Moraine's lessons by staring at a river, just thinking about how nice it is that Moraine's not talking to him right now. <laughs> When some riders approach, and they're Terran and Kyrianin, who are from the city of Kyrian, which is being besieged by Kuladin, and they came, uh, riders have gone in all directions looking for help. And boy howdy, these people have found help. And this, this scene is fairly badass, because they show up and, and the Terrans are like, oh, did they capture you too? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> these, these are my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm... I'm... I'm the Karakarn. <laughs> I mean, right, yeah. I'm, I'm like, the, the he who comes to dawn. I, I, I hate to break it to you this way, but I'm like, I gotta be multiple messiahs, you know? I can't be just one people's messiah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you haven't even heard about the Koromor yet. What did he say? Right. Uh, but these aren't these the same douchebag lords that we saw in Tyr who were, like, yes. Yes. gambling with Matt? Yeah, yeah, a couple of them. The Terrans are. Familiar. Yeah. And there's a couple Kyrian in there. And they still seem like douchebags, but it, it was neat. Like, the one, the... The real lame one still seems like kind of a limp-wristed... Etienne or whatever? Uh, Estienne. Estienne, thank you. It still seems awful, but the other guy is kind of into it, right? He seems like he's risen to the occasion, you know? Yeah. He's, like, giving Rand good information, and he's kind of handling this situation really well, and then Rand says, well, we okay, now we need people to go back to Kyrian and tell them that we're coming to hold out, which the Kyrian do because, you know, it's their home. But this guy decides to do it, too. And he's like, yeah, you, what do you bet me that you guys can make it in time? <laughs> and uh, and then he goes, right? And he's going to die if this doesn't work, right? Yeah. But that's that's pretty cool. It's, this guy seems fairly badass for a weak, uh, spoiled lordling. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just glad that they're, that Kuladin's, like, stopped somewhere so they can finally catch this fucker. Because and he's just, like, Kuladin's horrible. He's been torturing people he's been like capturing peasants and shooting them full of arrows and torturing them outside the gates of Kyrian like this is a he's a shitty dude I'm really on board with some justice for Kuladin mm-hmm. yeah it's about time and I it makes me wonder why the Shido are following him because he's gotten away from the Aiel ways you and know why it's because the Shido are the bad guys Jeff it's the same <laughs> it's the same thing right there's there's no reasonable Shido. They're all the Red Aja. They're all the Slytherins. Yeah, but all the Aiel think that the Kyrianin are garbage. So I think that pretty much any Aiel would be down with this plan. Even so, that's yeah. it's, it's their, their their honor system is very strict, and he's he's violating all of these like honor things by like taking Gaishane who are not Aiel and taking more than the fifth and all yeah. these things. I well, guess that what was keeping them in the threefold land was their. Their system, right? They they believe that we belong here. It makes us strong. And he says he's the Karakarn, and he says I'm breaking the rules. Now we go kill people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I don't think they. I don't think the Aiel have a problem though with the Kyrianin being killed. I think they do have a problem with the this their system that's set up in place, uh, like the Gaishan the Fifth being uh, not followed. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they really care about the murder of the yeah, Warriors. Yeah, I, I don't think that bothers them all that much. They yeah. kill people all day. They're the Aiel. Yeah, but but even they admit. I, I think that it was Ruark at one point says when when Brand points out like the people hanging from the wall and all this stuff. He says, "Yeah, that's a little much, even for us. You know, like that that's unnecessary." I think is what Ruark says. Mm-hmm. So he, even he thinks that Kuladin's even even his like regular, you know, combat tactics are are not really appropriate for Aiel. Mm-hmm. And then they make this wager about <laughs> being able to be them. Would this crack me up? Because they're like. The Lord's rode horses there and back, and they're not familiar with the Aiel, who we already know can outrun horses and, you know, run them into the ground with their, their stamina, mm-hmm. because I guess they're genetically engineered super soldiers, basically, is the idea. Right, right yeah. Yeah. Um, so they make this wager, and Rand's like, I don't have any money. How am I going to, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? And they're like, you're the wealthiest person in this entire, <laughs> you're right. you, you get a, was it a 10th of the fifth? And yeah. you also get a 10th because of the, or a fifth because of this other thing. He's yeah. And, and, and also of all the stuff we're getting in Kyrian as we take it in. So like you're super duper rich now, now bro. <laughs> yeah. And all Rand is thinking is like, Oh, taxes. Yeah. 
what are you supposed to do with taxes? <laughs> Which is great. I'm like, yeah, yeah he has no idea what funny. the fuck he's doing. He's like, I should talk to Maureen to find out what you're supposed to do with taxes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, at the beginning of this chapter, he's talking to Asmodian, and there's something that he learns from Asmodian that is probably not an intentional lesson, but it's useful. Uh, Asmodian teaches him that Forsaken's knowledge is very limited. Like, he's talking about how only a couple of them are good at weather, for example. Like, Asmodian mm. is shit at weather. And Rand's like, oh yeah, I remember that there's this other person who's good at weather. He's like, oh wait, I don't know that. That's Luce Theron. But the point <laughs> is he's learning limitations of the, the Forsaken, which is useful to him and useful to us, I think. Yeah. And there's also kind of a fun thing where we're seeing these uh, these ripples of his Tavaren. Right, yeah. A bunch of his uh, maidens are gambling. They're like, and then we started all throwing sixes, so we stopped. And he's like, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) But there's some crazy shit happening. Like, um, Some guys fell into a pit of vipers and didn't get bit or something? Yeah, the the bites only only found the the clothes. They didn't actually get get bitten. Mm -hmm. There was uh, the the saddle maker guy who they saved in the first village fell and broke his neck. And he's like, oh, man, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's rough. But, uh, yeah, the, the two clan chiefs who hate each other made up and, like, swore oaths of friendship. And, like, even they didn't seem to understand why they were doing it. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Chapter 31, The Far Snows. Can I please tap out on this chapter? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, it's so cringy. Okay. I'm here. I'm ready. Uh, I kind of the Aiel. Because there's Aiel in this chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we see a whole lot of Aiel. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Full frontal Aiel. <laughs> so Rand goes back to the inn that he's staying in. Oh man, this 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 description of the inn. Well, this description of this town is is kind of interesting to me because it's like I'm wondering if Kulin's feeling just like a little bit of regret because he's going through looting Kyrin and it's probably like a little underwhelming right now because yeah. Kyrin's having a rough time. So he's like he rolls in, he's like. I'm going to be looting your town. They're like, well, we've been looted four times this year, so... Um... Yeah, yeah, we're actually just a bunch of bandits that live here. <laughs> we're not the people you're looking for. What have you got? Uh, I don't know. We've got like a turnip um, <laughs> and like the couple of mismatched boots. He's like, we'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> That's our fifth. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm wondering if like the loot from Kyrian isn't like as good as he would hope. Maybe that's why Kula didn't moving so fast. He's like, oh yeah, any next town, they're going to have lots of great stuff. <laughs> cool. Poor Kula no. Sucks to be a Kyrian. And remember, this is all because Rand passed through here once. That's right. This is like three books ago when he came and killed... No, no. It was Tom who killed one of their lords, but it was because of Rand, basically. It was totally because of Rand, right. Yeah. Rand shows up and everything went to shit. Yep. And I like that when he moves into this little inn, he has this like creative loophole. He's like, I declare this the roof of the, the, the <laughs> yeah. wine spring in or whatever. Yeah, only yes. people who had drunk from the wine spring back home can stay there. Yeah, so the maidens couldn't come in. Because <laughs> he just, he can't accept this army of super warrior ladies that are there to protect him. Yeah, it makes me roll my eyes every time. So he walks into his bedroom and there is Avienda, butt-ass naked. <sighs> yep. Oh no! <laughs> She's <laughs> a naked lady in my room! He's <laughs> Her naked before, surely, right? Like she had to run all the way to Ruidian back naked. Um, From a distance, I guess. She's Aiel, so like they they get naked a lot, and it just isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Sounds, I mean, it doesn't. It I doesn't think seem a, like it would be. Remember, she said that this is what Aiel women do: is they they show themselves to a man they like to like attract his interest. Except we do... So she, she may be interpreting this as a specific kind of encounter. No, you're probably right. Maybe. I'm sure. I'm sure. No, no, I think you're right. I mean, IO customs are very, like, situational and specific, so you're probably right. We know that they spend a lot of time naked because Jordan talks about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like in the last set of chapters when Matt was, like, banging this lady and she was like, oh, whoop, time to go fight. And she didn't even, she didn't put clothes on. She's like, all right, That's true. naked. But, um, so it's an IO thing. It's, but... it's a different. It's like seeing somebody in a bikini at the beach and seeing them... Uh, naked, soaping themselves up in your bedroom. <laughs> and she didn't expect him to be there. I know, this is his bedroom. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, this is... I thought you'd be away for longer. Latch the door or something. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, I think, completely on Avienda here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and she reacts to it in a totally reasonable way by tearing a hole through a dimension and right. going into across a blizzard. the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, making a gateway of some kind and yeah, charging into a blizzard naked. And wet from the soap, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so wet. So... <laughs> <laughs> Slippery, silky smooth. <laughs> so, 
Okay, so I guess Avienda must have some old blood in her to be able to do this. Because previously we've only seen people from Emmons Field and Rand doing this. Well, Rand can't even do this. No, I mean like doing channeling that she, he doesn't know what that he could do it before he did it. Uh, maybe. I, I feel like Egwene has done that. Oh, she's got old blood. Right. Egwene, Nynaeve, and Rand have done this. We haven't seen that many other channelers, though. Like, we don't know... Maybe this is what happens to all new channelers. That yeah, they're, they're fiddling I, around with stuff and things happen sometimes. I definitely thought it was a function of the old blood. It's possible. Well, I mean, the Aiel are the oldest blood, right? Like they're, they're one of the oldest bloodlines? Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. I don't... Yeah, it, it is strange. Or maybe it's because Rand's there and, and Rand being around fucks everything up. Oh, yeah, maybe that's it. Anyway, yeah, she charges into the blizzard and Rand chases after her after propping open the gateway. And uh, Avienda keeps running... Through the blizzard, and Rand chases after her with, you know, blankets and stuff. And he's like, don't, no, you're in a blizzard. And she's like, no, I'm running. <laughs> like, this, this is dumb. I think it's, no, 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 you don't control me. I'm me. free. Yeah, this, this is dumb. Um, he has seen everything, by the way. Yeah, he's, he tries to cover up, but he's already seen everything. <laughs> um, and eventually she plunges into a frozen river. Yeah. So uh, he has to make a daring rescue. Right. I wish that had been the end. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Avienda! She yeah. plunged into a frozen river and, well, I'm, yeah. that's pretty cold. I think I'm just going to have to go back now. Never did figure out what was up with her. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, but he, he rescues her uh, kind of clumsily, you know, because he does have the one power, right? Couldn't he do all sorts of crazy stuff? Mm. He, he makes some kind of lame excuses like, oh, I... I can't put enough heat in there. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah, he right. Like he, he melts put a bunch like a wizard of snow. hand and lift her up, right? Yeah, he melts a bunch of snow to the point where the the sand underneath it uh, turns to glass. Yeah. Uh, so I guess he didn't want to fry the whole river or ocean or even know what it is. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, a bunch of water. But yeah, he manages to get out on the ice and and pull her out by her hair, mm-hmm. and makes a little igloo for them. Mm-hmm. And you know they just got to get naked. To, you know, to share body heat. Yeah, to share body it's the heat. the old, uh, oh, we got to get naked so we can it's, get warm trick. It's cold. It's yeah, I just got to share body heat. This, yeah. <laughs> but you know, this trick always ends the same way. Mm-hmm. Always ends in fucking. That's right. Yep, even like those Arctic explorers. Yeah, always like, fucking. Rolled Amundsen. <laughs> Man. Yeah, he, he had to smack every single one of those uh, people in his team. Before he got to the South Pole. That's true. You know what I mean. That's how it goes. <laughs> the South Pole's his penis. <laughs> well, to be, it doesn't always end in banging because men did it to Rand that time for reasons? Yeah, but he was oh, unconscious yeah. that time. Yeah, but why? Okay, so he was unconscious? If, if he had woken so... up, uh, it was, you know, bone zone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he was really sick. Not Avienda, who's just, you know, got hypothermia. Mm-hmm. It's funny because at the end, Rand is like, oh, you know, and two to three hours later, it's like, this is his first time doing this. What this really was is two to three minutes and then maybe like two to three hours of like apologies. Like, this has never happened to me before. <laughs> is this Avienda's first time doing this? I doubt it. I no. mean, like, why would it be, right? The Aiel don't have those hangups as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. This is the two rivers thing. Do you think Rand would be upset if he found that out? Man, who knows? Yeah. I'm not sure if he even thinks about it because after they bone, the very first thing that occurs to him is like, well, I guess we're getting married now. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. And she's like, what? She's Fuck like, no. <laughs> we have to marry now. We've had sex. <laughs> You're probably pregnant. You're going to have five kids now. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I thought we agreed. You got to pee in the butt. <laughs> She's like, you didn't even get it inside me, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, that was the best sex ever. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe the best sex in an igloo <laughs> in, in a while. <laughs> but I'll be in, in a, a while. <laughs> it's just like it's like two hours of anatomy lessons. Uh, but, yeah, right. But luckily she shuts that, that down pretty fast. And this is kind of like an interesting little exchange. She's like, well, you know, in IO culture, I would be the one asking you. And I'm not going to do that, so sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. I thought Avienda, she's so bad at conveying what she's upset about, but she's really good at relationship talks. Yeah, this this went well. Yeah, she made established the boundaries very clearly. And made sure he understood where she was coming from. She's like, I, I'm not, I don't regret that this happened, but this is not going to happen again. You know, mm-hmm. this is how it happens. This is this is what this is the deal. Yeah, I hope that's how she is. Yeah, you this know, is the first uh, time that I found her. Post orgasmic, 
this is the first time I found her to be completely reasonable and like really doing great. I'm with her on this one. Yeah. Well, maybe she just needed to get laid. Maybe. maybe that was it. All that tension's gone. <laughs> it's true. The wise ones, like their whole their whole angle here is like we just need to get this chick laid. She's the worst student. <laughs> so, what you're saying that all of her problems were solved by a deep dicking? I mean, I mean, probably I, not. I deep think dicking. the the dragon D. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably a deep dick. <laughs> he's tall. Oh, that's true. He's a big. He's a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> the dragon D's probably you know <laughs> magnificent. <laughs> The Dragon Destiny is magnificent. We're talking about <laughs> destiny, people. Indeed. It's a, a destiny long enough to span the ages. <laughs> it's big. It's a big destiny. <laughs> Chapter 32, A Short Spear. Thanks, Alice. <laughs> and it's a hard destiny. <laughs> I put love quotation marks around short. <laughs> <laughs> short spear. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Poor Rand. Poor Rand. <laughs> Falling up on a sex chapter with a short spear. <laughs> Icon of the Shanchan. Oh yeah, that's the little Shanchan hat. Yeah. So on their way back, they see a bunch of stuff like a flying beast being ridden by. It's people. a dragon. No, it's a wyvern. <laughs> How do you know? Because it doesn't have. Because it does have the little arms, or it doesn't. Which it doesn't have it? arms. So wyvern has. Does it specify that it doesn't have four arms? I think it says it has two two feet dangling behind it. Yeah. That makes oh it no, no, you're right. It doesn't specify the number. I guess it could be up. I guess it could be up to four. Right. Yeah. So it could be a dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they see an ocean to the east of them, yeah. which is pretty mind-blowing. Geographically weird, because as far as they know, the only thing to the east is the wastes, and then to the east is Shara, Shara and, or and who knows what else. Who knows the what ocean else. is always to the west for yeah. these people. And it's the wrong time of year for winter, too. It's not winter time, either, yeah, so the snow right? is weird. So this is what this made me wonder. So they're, it's, it's daytime, also, yeah, instead of nighttime. Yep. And so they're on the other side of the world, right? Like, the, the daytime-nighttime thing means they're on the other side, and they're in a different hemisphere, because it's winter now, right? Or they could have just gone to a different dimension, right? Oh, that's cool. But yeah, they run into Shanshan, so I think it's... I think they're probably in this dimension. Yeah, yeah my yeah. first thought, though, before the Shanshan showed up, was that they had just gone to a different dimension. Oh, yeah. It's definitely on the table. It's a thing they can do that mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... But, but okay, so when they come back, I remember they said it's like a couple hours till dawn, so is, is it approximately dawn when they come out of the we don't know for sure i think they said it's two hours till dawn that's that's back in back uh, in back in yeah the time i was trying to figure out what the time change oh yeah i think he said they saw the sun rising that's what freaked him out the sun was rising in the east okay so they're over the ocean it's a few hours so yeah maybe not the whole world around but is shanshan in the southern hemisphere i guess it must be because i think randland is in the northern hemisphere because it gets colder as you go north until you get to the blight, but but yeah. but the Shanshan do come from the south, right? Because they they strike at Falm, which is like the bottom. Oh, that's a good point. Southwest. Yeah, maybe that continent. maybe that is how it works. Yeah, maybe we haven't we haven't seen anything like a map that shows the whole world. We don't really know where they where they are exactly. So anyway, they head back to the gateway, and there's a bunch of Shanshan standing around. What's yep. this gateway? That sure looks like somebody's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looked like somebody was bathing. <laughs> there's like a sponge on the floor yeah, there. I see remnants and like some drips in the shape of boobs I don't know and somebody pull up <laughs> <laughs> boob shaped drops <laughs> I know those boob shaped drips anywhere <laughs> but yeah so Avi and Rand managed to jump them and disable them quickly yeah they weren't expecting a dragon attack <laughs> there's an actually pretty long scene here with the Shanshan all tied up with uh, the power and they recognize Rand yeah oh, a couple of them do one of them was at Falm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they try and save the Domine who is there, but the, even the Domine doesn't want her to does, is afraid of them, right? She's saying, "Oh, protect me, protect me." Yeah, they don't seem keen on this escape, which is it's interesting. Yeah. But we've only seen really Domine who are uh, who were captured, right? We haven't seen very many who. Well, I guess yeah. I mean they were raised this way, so I think they're just totally broken. Yeah, but they really can't get the collar off anyway. We hear a bunch of Shanshan talk, which doesn't mean anything to us. They've got, like, the, the Tower of the Listeners or the Tower of Crows, Ravens or something. Ravens. When the woman has a raven and on in front of a Stark Tower on the gray breast of her cloak. Yeah, I, she, I think she's a Seeker. She's yeah. like that one guy that was following again in that time. Yeah, I was going to say, we've seen Seekers before. They seem to be sort of like a, a, a fact finder slash torturer. It seems like the, the, the what we've learned. Yeah, you know? and so this, this little bit here is that it's, it's Morsa, who is a lady, 
who has these dominated with her. And it's um, this other person, Jelinden, who is a seeker. And it p- appears in this one moment that Rand has completely fucked up Morsa's life. Yeah, mm-hmm. really, just by just by the fact that she knows who he is, suddenly she's like... Yeah, suddenly the, the Seeker takes her into custody and now she's going to be tortured for information forever or something. Tortured until she's probably dead? I, I mean, like, I don't know how it works with, in Sean Chen, but I suspect this is not the kind of thing where you yeah. walk away This from. is a real drive-by screw job here. <laughs> yeah. Although I shouldn't feel too bad for them, they are slavers. That is true. But Rand and Avienda make it through the gateway, along with an awesome two-foot length of spear that came in after them. Yeah. Snap shut on it. Because it chops it in half, I guess, when the right, gate yeah, closes. Smoother, a smoother cut than any craftsman could make, which is pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so it <laughs> it seems for a second like they don't have to make a big deal about having sex, except Asmodin was like, oh, yeah, I had to cover for you because you weren't here. I said you were having sex with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then, so what happens in Shanshan does not stay in Shanshan. <laughs> not this time. And all the maidens have been chanting and cheering beneath their window. The yeah, like time. shouting like lewd <laughs> suggestions. And Asmodeon's like, man, they said some stuff I thought was fucked up. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a, and I'm a forsaken. I'm like a 3,000 year old evil <laughs> wizard. <laughs> and they're like, what, what, where? <laughs> you guys are crazy. But I'm going to try that later. <laughs> and I want to point out that like literally within 30 seconds of them getting back to their world, Avienda becomes an unreasonable butthead again. Yeah, right? I guess th- like, th- this is how long the afterglow lasts. I guess he accuses her of staring at Morsa because she's got big tits or something, except she was covered in a fur right. coat, so <laughs> he even knew. Yeah, Rand. He doesn't He doesn't just say, I wasn't staring at tits. He says, I had no idea what her tits were like. <laughs> <laughs> Could she, did she have tits? I mean, like she has like this crazy fur thing on. Right, yeah, so yeah. I guess Avienda is back to being this way. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. And then he's like, hey, I need to talk to Asmodian. She's like, storms out, slams the door. Okay, well, I guess that's that's that again. Mm-hmm. And he says something like, well, I'm not entirely upset that she's being herself. I was like, I'd be pretty pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. But he's he's super into Avienda, still. Yeah. Never forget your first. Right. But unfortunately, Avienda says, never again. It's unfortunate, right? I mean, why not? Right? I know. Well, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yes, we'll see. Uh, and Rand sits down to get some more teaching from Osmodian. Yeah, we learned we learn that this thing that Rand did, propping open the portal, is something that uh, is very is something that he, uh, uh, even Asmodian doesn't know how to do. Right, yeah. He said maybe Demandrid could do that, and Luz Theron could do that. So yeah, it seems pretty clear that he's Luz Theron. Yep. But he says, I'm going to double down on wizard school. <laughs> Every time we talk, you have to tell me two things that I didn't ask about. <laughs> a weird demand, but okay, sure. Uh, is there anything in general you want to talk about? The Far Snows? The Far Snows? That's the name of the chapter where... It's a famous chapter, actually, in these books. Why because, famous? Because they fuck? Because they fuck. A, a it's the first speed. time anybody fucks in these books, I think. No, Matt's been fucking a lot. That's a good point, yeah. But if this was more explicit... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, it, this is this is the first... Rel- oh, that's not even that explicit. I was going to say the first explicit sex scene, quote-unquote, but he glosses over it. Mm-hmm. If if you didn't... I mean, it's, it's all subtext, right? He never says they have sex. It's just obvious they had sex because of all the other things that they're saying, right? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. interesting the way that Jordan handles it, I guess. And I, it makes me wonder. I mean, like, is it because... He doesn't feel like it's necessary to write a sex scene. Is it because he thinks it's taboo? Like, what do you, why do you think he? Why do you think he? I think he's just keeping the books clean, right? Nobody swears either. Yeah, but there's people being tortured all the time. People being skinned alive. And oh, stuff. Like, this is America. Oh, Violence right. is a okay. Sex yeah. will ruin your kids. Especially, which we definitely get from him, the way all the characters freak out about people being naked, or the the main characters freak out about people being naked. It's a very like puritanical sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess we've learned that for Avienda, Rand is the kind of guy you hate until he's inside of you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hate again as soon as he's out again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got confirmation that she saw she would have to be with Rand in, in the her future. Rings. Yeah, she, yeah. Sa- she says, the three rings, I've, you know, the three rings were right. We're gonna fuck. Yeah, and she's not running away anymore. Well, until they get back and then she's like, all right, now I'm running away again. I don't know. I think she's gonna come back i sure you know hope I mean? so because uh, like she she was uh, the the best she's been 
in the I mean, now, the now she's had a, a puff of that two rivers to back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that pillow talk—that's the most reasonable she's been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's let's hope that sticks around because I, I I suspect she could be a really good character if she weren't just you know pissed off all the time. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters thirty-three through thirty-seven of the Fires of Heaven. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. I don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club, And please like us in real life. We're super likable. Until next time. The the light light illumine you. you.